So when we look at the life of Jesus, we, we see that he lived in a certain way. We see they had a relationship with God in a certain way. And we see that, that he, he ministered to other people through the, the work of the Spirit in his life in a certain way too. Um, and just if you could put up the uh, passage from Ezekiel there, uh, and this is one of the passages we mentioned several times from Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 28. And it says, um, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle you with water and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Um, do we have that? Um, we don't for some reason. Um, that's fine. We did have, but um, so that was from Ezekiel 36. Okay. So you're going to have to do a bit of work this morning then, and there are Bibles at the end of your rows, because I'm going to tell you to look up some stuff. Um, but the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to live a life patterned after Jesus. So they modeled their lives on him. They followed him. They learned his ways. Um, but even after they had understood through the cross that he truly was the Son of God, it wasn't enough. Knowledge is not enough. And so if we look at, at Luke 24, so um, if you do have a Bible, just look at this very briefly, because this is probably really pivotal to a lot of our thinking around uh, what the Holy Spirit does. But in Luke 24, uh, oh, there we go. It is here now. Excellent. Verse 45. Uh, I'm not going to blame Johnny, because it's not his fault. He was up doing worship as well. Um, it says, then, this is when, when Jesus had, had risen from the dead. He was meeting with his disciples, and he said, it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for, this, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses on these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So think about this. The disciples, they've seen Jesus die, they've seen him risen from the dead, and, and something supernatural happens, that their minds are opened, that there's a revelation of who Jesus is through the scriptures, and so they have got the good news, and Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. And knowledge is not enough. I think so many times in the past in the church, what we have done is we have settled for information. But information doesn't necessarily translate um, to transformation. Because we can know lots of things. And, and you know, you've, you've, you've had that experience yourself. You met somebody and they said, oh, I used to be a Christian or I'm a backslider. And then they go on to quote more scripture than you know. Like, they seem to know the entire Bible, and they can quote verse after verse after verse. What's the problem? It's just information. And information um, changes when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. And so the disciples had to wait to be clothed with power from on high, to be able to go with the message of the good news to the entire world. 
And so we too, as Christians over 2,000 years um, after this, should never settle for information. We have to be clothed with power from on high to go and to demonstrate uh, everything that Jesus taught. And so the disciples had to do that, and they had to wait. But they'd been with Jesus for three years. Do you not think that they knew enough? They obviously didn't. And so uh, we look at this passage very quickly as well. And we're just going to fire through a few of these, because I just want us to get our our framework on um, the gifts of the Spirit pretty well set. Um, So this is a little while later. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And we should know this uh, passage quite well. Suddenly a sound like the... Blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Um, and then it goes on to say, that, you know, there were people from all over the area who had come to Jerusalem and they all heard um, the gospel being preached in their own language. And, and there's a lot of confusion. And, and so you get to this point where, if you know that passage quite well, they say, like, you know, it's only nine in the morning. You know, these guys are kind of, uh, whatever they were doing. So they weren't just speaking in other languages. Because if I walk down the street outside there today, I'm going to hear other people speaking in other languages. But I don't think, oh, flip, they must be drunk. I think they must be from another country. They must speak a different language. So there's something else about what was going on with them. This is kind of an incidental point. um, That that made them think, these guys are drunk. This is weird. Like, you know, they're speaking in different languages. Maybe they were in other ways behaving in a way that would indicate that they had possibly been drinking alcohol. Who knows? But anyway, the spirit has come. And the disciples, who were hiding away in an upper room, suddenly stand in public declaring who Jesus is in lots of different languages, and we call that speaking in tongues, through the Spirit. And um, Peter, who had hidden away and who had denied Christ, he was a broken man. He gets up and he stands in front of thousands and he declares who Jesus is. And he declares who Jesus is right through the, through the scriptures. He declares from uh, the prophet uh, Joel, he said, you know, in the last days, spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And your, your old men will, will dream dreams. Your young men will, will dream visions, even on your men and women. I'll pour out my spirit at that time. And so Peter then declares this boldly and fearlessly. And um, the Spirit transforms them. And then from that point onwards, the early church moves out and thousands become Christians and they're sent out all over the place. And these people that were formerly hiding in a room, many of them were killed for their faith. And they went gladly and they went fearlessly because the Spirit was on them. And and so we come along, you know, quite a long, long while later and we kind of think, you know, do you know those churches that do all that Holy Spirit stuff, speaking in tongues and prophecy, and do aren't they really really weird? And we maybe know some weird people in those churches, and you know, it, it really saddens me that we that we use weirdness as a way to push away something that God is doing, or or some bad experience that we've had, or even just some story 
that we've heard about something that may or may not have happened, and by the time it gets to us, it's just Chinese whispers, and it probably wasn't true in the first place. But so often we push away things that we don't know or understand, rather than thinking, you know, that might be a bit weird or strange. It might be a bit outside of my comfort zone or framework. But if God is moving, do I not need to go and find out a little bit more about what this is about? So let me just give you a little couple of wee pointers on the Holy Spirit. First of all, um, the Holy Spirit, when we give our lives to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us, okay? Um, And uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians, and he says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we see that when we give our life to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. But yet, um, there's a clear pattern of salvation and different experiences of baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit right throughout Scripture and right throughout Acts. And sometimes the the act of, of salvation or coming to faith seems to get detached from an infilling of the Spirit. Um, And so I'll just give you a little example of that. I don't have them on the screen. You can check these out at some other stage. But in Acts chapter 8 verse 14 it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we we see this separate. So we're not saying that these guys weren't Christians. We're not saying that they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them guaranteeing their inheritance in terms of where they sat in terms of eternity. But what we are seeing is that there was an infilling, a baptism, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not a particular fan of just referring to people praying for someone, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell you why. How many times do we get baptized in water? Once, okay? Hopefully once. Um, And maybe if you walked away from Jesus for a very long time and you decide you want to get baptized again, we would, maybe you would do it again. But in general, we get baptized once in water. But it is not the same when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And again, we have scriptural evidence that of continual infilling and receiving of the Spirit. And I'll give you a little example of that too. In Acts chapter 4. So in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes at Pentecost. But in Acts chapter 4, after um, Peter and John have been arrested and stood before the Sanhedrin, they come back and they tell everybody what went on. And this is what it says. On their release, Acts chapter 4 verse 23, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And then if you go to verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. But hang on. They got filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. We know that. We know that that, um, actually they got filled so much that people thought they were drunk. Why did they get filled with the Holy Spirit again in Acts chapter 4? Could it be that it wasn't just a one-off thing? And so we see that the Spirit comes in power and fills people 
on a continual basis. That uh, is a pattern established in acts of people receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving more of the Holy Spirit. And we too, um, so, um, you know, if you want to get the most basic theology, which I love and, and sometimes it really helps, you know, basically we're sinful and we leak and therefore we need more of the Holy Spirit. I think it's probably slightly more complex than that, but there does seem to be a pattern of people continually receiving more of God, receiving more of the Spirit, very often through the laying of hands through others. Um, And so when the Spirit comes at Pentecost and and Peter prophesies, he says, you know, that, that, that all will prophesy that the all will prophesy, the all will speak on behalf um, of God and speak um, the, the will of God. And um, prophecy, which is, I'm going to talk a little bit about today, and so um, just to warn you, we're not only going to pra- talk about it, because what is the point of always coming to church and talking about stuff and never actually doing it? So we're going to do a little bit of practice on prophecy as well. All right, just giving you a few minutes to panic. Um but prophecy um, is really important. And I think, so I, I love the prophetic. And, you know, Paul says, uh, I wish that all people would prophesy. In fact, he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. But prophecy doesn't really make sense unless we've done the work of understanding that that, that, that gift of the Spirit comes through the person of the Spirit that we've looked at over the last number of weeks and should come through, from and through a person who is operating and living out the fruits of the Spirit. And in fact, Paul says that um, if, you, if you don't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. But if you have love, if you're operating from the place of love, then that is the the place from which to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And so um, I want us to look at a little passage, 1 Corinthians 12, if we could get that on the screen. If you have a Bible, it'd be worth your while trying to find um, 1 Corinthians 12 as well. So Paul's writing to a church, and he's writing to a church that kind of are, are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, but they haven't quite got the balance right. And, and, you know, a little bit of the context would be that, in particular, they really love the gift of speaking in tongues. But they're, they're, it seems to be like their services are complete and utter chaos. There's just people jumping up here, there, and everywhere, shouting out things in tongues, people prophesying, and it's just chaos. Uh, and when God comes uh, and the Spirit comes, he moves in power, but he also moves in a way that is not chaotic um, as such. And so, so Paul says, he's trying to explain spiritual gifts, and he says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but um, in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. So the same gifts, whatever the gifts are, come from God. And so this is one of these occasions when it's very uh, important that we understand who the giver is rather than thinking, oh, isn't it great? This person's got the gift of healing. This person's got the gift of prophecy. But I've only got the gift of helps. You know, it's a gift from God, you know, and, and he knows us and he gives us his gifts and his gifts are good. And so we don't elevate one gift over the other or one person over the other because of their gifting. So 
Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to be transformed, if we're going to become more like Christ, we've got to realize that we've all been given gifts, but it's for the common good. If it's for the common good, then what needs to happen is that we minister to each other. That it isn't something that we just go and do in private, although you can do that, particularly with, for example, the gift of tongues. But it's something that is designed to bless the body. And so everyone in the body needs to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit so that we can bless and encourage and support each other. So we all have a role to play when it comes to ministering in the gifts of the Spirit. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes to each one just as he determines. And so the Spirit is, is distributing gifts, uh, gracelets, to each person. These are gifts from God. Uh, and, and they're gifts. They're not things that, that we earn. They're not things you get for good service. It's not like, um, you know, if you went to BB or Scouts or something like that and you got your, your badge for the work that you did. God is gracious and merciful and he loves to give good gifts to his children. And so he gives good gifts to us. And he gives you a gift so that you can be a gift to other people. That's the way that he works. Um, and so, specifically just talking this morning about prophecy or the prophetic. What we call prophetic ministry is really just ministering under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, and actually, when it comes to the prophetic, uh, you know, it's hard to see where one gift starts and another gift stops. See, a prophetic word can, be, can begin with the word of knowledge. So word of knowledge is something that you don't currently know about somebody, but it's revealed by the Spirit. It's information given by God. You then need the gift of wisdom. So wisdom is the ability to take something and try and figure out what the right thing is to do with it, or to look at Scripture and, and understand it and, and bring revelation to it. And so um, you know, very often you hope, particularly if you're a preacher, that you have a little bit of the gift of wisdom because you're taking Scripture and trying to impart truth to other people. And then you have the gift of faith. So whatever it is you're going to function in or what you're going to do, if you're going to give it a prophetic word or pray for healing, you need the gift of faith, don't you? You need supernatural faith to go and actually step out from beyond your comfort zones and go and, and do something. And, and so um, if you were going to pray for healing, again, you need the gift of faith. As you go to pray for healing, God might give you a word of knowledge about the root cause of somebody's pain, which enables you to pray. And it shouldn't uh, surprise us that when we start to minister in the gifts of the Spirit, that the gifts are not siloed. They're not just, oh, I'm doing this now, doing prophecy. Now I'm doing this, now I'm doing this, now I'm doing this. Because these gifts of the Spirit are not a tool belt or a golf bag. Okay? Those are not helpful metaphors at all for the, the, the gifts of the Spirit because it's actually relegating the gifts of the Spirit to tools or to actions um, rather than realizing that, that He is a person who works in and through us. 
And so sometimes it's good to try and figure out what gifts you, you know you maybe have a grace for. But it's not like you kind of have a tool belt and go, I've got prophecy, faith, and, and knowledge. You need healing. Sorry. Can't help you. Because I've only got these other three gifts. But let's try and find somebody who does have the gift of healing. Well, if the gift of healing comes through the Spirit, and the Spirit of the living God is within me, some people actually might see more fruit when it comes to healing, but I can pray for healing too. Okay? And so some, I do think you can develop and mature and grow in certain giftings, but they all come from the Spirit, and they're all available, you know? And we should never kind of think, oh dear, somebody's sick. I can't pray for them. Because you've got the Spirit of the living God within you. You know, the power that raised Christ from the dead is available. If that's not enough, I don't know what is. Um, so, when we prophesy, when we give a word, and so the, the, when you think about prophecy, um, it's not fortune telling, it's not future telling, but it is forth telling. You know what that means? No. Here's the, here's the deal. So, quite often people say, uh, you know, somebody gave me. Uh, a prophetic word about, um, you know, that I would be an amazing musician, and never happened, never happened. I'm like, oh, really? Did you ever try playing a musical instrument or singing? No, 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 but I was just, you know, it just never happened. You know, nobody came up to me and said, you're an amazing musician, come and do this and that. She didn't actually pick up a musical instrument and try and play it to see whether that was something. You know, or somebody says, you, you know, God's going to just release um, the ability for you to write amazing poetry, but you never pick up a pen and write it in a book. Um, so prophecy always depends on us taking part in God's plans for our future. And so prophecy relates to the future. And so we might say, you know, I see this over you, and I feel like God might be leading you into whatever that happens to be. But that person then has to take that and decide, is this from God? Is this for me? Is it for now? Um, is there something that I need to do to see that happen? It's a very practical thing. And also, um, as we sort of receive prophetic words uh, from, from God for other people, uh, we're, we have to realize, as um, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, that we see in part and we prophesy in part. And so we don't have everything, we don't understand everything, and therefore we have to actually think, how do I discern, how do I decide, is this from God? And so we do that through the help of other people um, and what God might be saying to them, but we also do it through Scripture. And so anything that we hear from God that we maybe want to share with other people has to be filtered through the lens of Scripture. Is this something that God would say? Does it reflect Scripture, either specifically or, or within sort of the context of Scripture, uh, and try and figure out what that looks like? And uh, and so God will often use Scripture. And so you know, people say to me, "I'd like to really grow in the gift of the prophetic." Uh, and one of my first things would be, "Well, you need to grow in your understanding of God's Word, because um, it'd be very hard for God to speak to you." through his word, if you don't know it. Um, and, and I'll just give you one example of that. Uh, it's a very interesting example. Um, and in January 2013, I was leading Upper Band Vineyard, and friendly with the guys in Emmanuel, but I'd been asked to speak there. And 
I felt like God had given me a prophetic word for the, for Emmanuel Lurgan um, five years ago. And I felt that God gave me that word about the story of David and Jonathan. And it says that, that David, King David, he was the shepherd boy at the time, but when he defeated Goliath, he came into Saul's um, throne room, and uh, David and Jonathan really hit it off, and they connected. And it said that their hearts cleaved to each other, um, and that uh, they loved each other. And what's really vitally important about that is that actually they should have been two rivals, because David had come in as this victor into the throne room of Saul, who was king, and Jonathan was his son, who would one day become king. And so we see in Scripture that, that David and Jonathan could become like two brothers rather than two rivals. And I felt like God said that Lurgan and Portadown are like two rivals, but they should be like two brothers. Um, and it's amazing to think like five years later, here we are, and we have a church in Lurgan, and we have a church in Portadown. We're thinking, how can these two rival towns be like two brothers? But it was only because I knew and was aware of that Scripture that God was able to then speak uh, to me through that and actually say this is a word that I want to speak to Emmanuel churches and, and I never knew that, that I would be part of making that prophetic word actually come in um, to being but it's exciting when God does that very often he speaks just through um, scripture just keeping an eye on my time so can we put up the slide just that has the different lists of spiritual gifts? And so we don't have time to really go through all these today. We certainly don't in any way whatsoever. It would take a long time, but I just want you to know that there are at least three lists of gifts in the Bible, and there are also individual gifts, which I don't have on the screen there. But the passage that we looked at today was 1 Corinthians 12, and you have these gifts that the Spirit gives, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between tongues, um, interpretation of tongues, helps administration, distinguishing between spirits. You have all these sets of gifts. And you know what? We're told, told to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, to want them. And there's something within our poverty mentality as Christians that we don't really want to do that. You know, it seems a bit greedy to kind of want more, want more. But we're told to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you that as we've journeyed through this whole thing of, of looking at who the Holy Spirit is, is to know that the life of faith requires impartation of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to minister in spiritual gifts. And uh, so what I'm going to do, rather than continue to talk about this, is we're going to demonstrate that. All right? Uh, and is everybody getting slightly uncomfortable yet? Um, and, and as we do that, I'll talk you through uh, what's going on. Okay, so where is... Is Chris Hanna? I saw him earlier. There, you come on up to the front, Chris. Um, so, what I'm going to ask you, okay, is people in the room. So, one of the gifts that we have here uh, is we have wisdom and we have knowledge and we have encouragement, okay. And so, at the very least, we should be able to operate in the gift of encouragement right now, shouldn't we? For Chris. But maybe God will give us a word of knowledge, a scripture verse, a picture. Maybe God will give you a little bit of a picture, and you'll be like, I'm not really sure what this is, but when I look at Chris, I see blah, blah, blah. All right. So would anybody, does anybody feel like they have anything from God for Chris? Just so you know, I have something for you, so this isn't going to be that awkward. Um, 
Does anybody feel like they have a word, a picture, a scripture? When you look at Chris, you think that, or at the very least, an encouragement for him. Okay, a tap flowing. So what do you think it might mean, Lisa? Okay. Yeah, brilliant. So sometimes God gives us a little bit, and, and when we're brave, what happens is if we lean in, we get the next little bit, and, and I, the Holy Spirit does it all the time. You know, it gives us like a little picture or a word or something, and we're like, I don't have any more. But then when we start to actually just step out in faith, it's in that place of faith that God meets us, you know, so that Chris has that sense of, tur- of a tap turning on the power and presence of God moving through you. Does anything, anybody have something else to add to that? Okay, Stella? So, um, so you see that the water analogy is not a surprise that then it was added to say, you know, about there's scripture to do with water flowing out, streams of living water flowing out from somebody. And actually that, that outpouring, that outflow, it makes sense as well that, that you would then feel it was maybe something to do with evangelism. Okay, that's super. Anybody else have anything? Okay, Caroline? So yeah, uh, plans. That's fantastic. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, Shirley. Okay. Yeah, so they're actually, these are our mountain um, peaks, actually, Snowden and um, Ben Nevis. Only because I can read. <laughs> yeah, okay. Brilliant. All right, so there's something again about water flows. And I think, as you know, God is obviously wanting to release something through you. And interestingly, um, when I was praying for you, Yesterday I got the picture of a of a bow, and a bow is is a straight piece of wood that has been bent. The tension is put in there, and you know I felt like you've maybe been through a number of experiences over the last couple of years that have really actually strengthened you. But it's felt like a stretching, um, and I know 
um, just this is really important too. See, when you know stuff about somebody, it's important that other people in the room know that I know actually Chris right really well. Okay, so there's a sense in which I feel like God has given me something, but it's based on information that I already know, um, and I'm just saying that so that everybody knows in the room what's going on. But I really feel like. God is stretching you and has created tension and, and you the power of a bow is in is in the fact that it's bent. And I just feel I just then I saw the bow and arrow shooting a really straight arrow and I think feel like God is is leading you and to really move and to step out and do all the things that He has for you and that, that sort of ability to do that has come through some pain. Um and I actually just as well I really felt like God was gonna lead you into the ability to, to and a desire to teach other people from his word and to, to share um from his word too. So there you go. So you need what what Chris needs to do now is to go home and listen to the podcast and write those things down and think about them and pray about them and say, you know, is this God? Is God speaking to me? Do you think God's speaking to you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great, thank you. Sit down. All right, and, and I'll just, I'll do, um, so what more time we've got left. Um, what should we do now? <laughs> just like the price is right. Um, come on down. Um, is Jason Gordon worse? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Jason. All right, does anybody feel they have a word or picture or anything for Jason or a word of encouragement? Who start me with a word of encouragement? What do you see over Jason and over his life? Let's speak that out. Upright. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Anybody else have anything? Generosity. Generosity. Okay. Super. Anything else? <coughs> Vivian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. You know, the, everything that, that you do that God sees, um, and that that heart of encouragement and that heart of evangelism. And, you know, sometimes we downplay who we are and what's going on in our lives, and we need actually other people to speak in and encourage that and to call that out and you know to kind of say, "I see what's on you. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that before God and before men. What's on you and what God is doing in and through you." Anybody else feel like anything, Stella? Uh-huh. Father's heart, yeah, brilliant, great, uh-huh, and I think that, that you know I do see that too, actually, just as you say that on Jason is you know yes, he is a father uh, in the natural, but I think in terms of actually fathering within the context of our town and and, as, and, and linking into the evangelism thing too, I think Jason that that you're someone who actually carries a father's heart for the lost and the broken, uh, and we just acknowledge that and over your life, anything else? <coughs> 
Yeah, yeah, for both of them. Uh huh. That's brilliant. So both for both this thing about about God's heart for them as well. It's interesting that both people have received words partly to do with evangelism as well and carrying the Father's heart. And so sometimes God does that. You know, as the Spirit works, He's He's linked these two people together in terms of what is being said. Does anybody have anything else before uh, Darwin? So you're a combine harvester, okay. And again, that that's that's uh, uh, to do with evangelism, isn't it? It's about bringing in the harvest and the scale. I think it was really good what you said about the scale, because I think then maybe what Jason needs to do is take on board that actually that God has given him so much that God has given him scale and ability. Um, so that's brilliant. Anybody else desperate to give um, Jason a word, or can he sit down? Right, where you go, sit down. All right. Uh, listen, we're we're running out of time, so what I wanted to do is this. Um, I'd love to pray for us. I'd love for us to receive more of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that was just a little taster and a little demonstration. But you see that when Paul said that we see in part and we prophesy in part, that actually the prophetic ability in any room is stronger than one person. And we're all here as well, discerning um, from listening to each other. Is this what God is saying? And so one person gives a word and one person gives a scripture that backs it up. One person gives a picture. uh, And then actually you see that God is speaking and saying the same thing through more than one person as well because the person of the Holy Spirit is working to bless and encourage and support and strengthen the body and that's how easy it is and actually sorry just one more I have to do one more Karen come on yes Karen um <laughs> anybody have an encouragement for Karen there you go Okay. And has anybody seen the Holy Spirit doing anything in Karen's life over the last number of months? Yes. Yeah, so what what have we seen? Because she she can't see it. Brilliant. And so, again, just do you see the way, like, you saw something? I'm going to say it's the second time we've seen something on somebody. Um, just 
the Holy Spirit just uses whatever is there in front of you to, to speak um, prophetic words and stuff. And it's not like every single time. Where, um, I remember one time seeing somebody do that, giving prophetic words based on what was on people's T-shirts, and the next day I wore the most ridiculous T-shirt that I could find, just going, come on, <laughs> interpret this. I <laughs> it's a true story. And I didn't get a prophetic word at all. But, but God will use things. He'll use scripture. He'll use pictures. He'll use something to speak to us, to spark off. And because as well, you know, God is infinitely creative. And so he will use creative ways to speak to us. Anybody else get something for Karen? A rainbow. Yeah. Well, she does now. And that's the thing. And she's feeling... You know, the rainbow, the, the whole prism. The prism, yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like God brings that out of us. And, you know, um, I was just thinking actually about when we had the baby dedication here and Debbie had brought the sunflower. And I just see that you're just really bloomed, that you've opened up, that you're this beautiful flowers as you've connected with God and what he's doing and his purposes, that actually he's just, he's just bringing you into like a season of fruitfulness and, uh, and, and expansion in, in who God has called you to be and what he's called you to do. And you need to know you carry the fragrance and the presence of God in such a powerful way and to just continue to step in into that. And it's lovely to see what God's been doing in your life. All right, thank you. Take a wee seat. Um, all right, so um, what I'd love us to do is if we could just stand and we're going to pray. And then if you have children, you can pick them up from children's ministry if they're yours. Um, but what I would also love to do is for us just to, to receive more of the Holy Spirit right now. And I'd really encourage you, if you've never actually received an impartation or a baptism or had a specific occasion where people have laid hands on you and prayed for you to receive the Holy Spirit, um, I would love for us to be able to do that now. And so you can come up to the front and get prayer. But for everybody, let's receive uh, more of the Spirit now and ask Him to move more in power. Father, we thank you that your Spirit is always at work. We thank you for the encouragement of the Spirit at work in all of us this morning, how you weave amongst us and speak and move. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that come into our lives that bring change and transformation. We thank you for all of them. And I pray for this room that we would go on a journey learning what it means to to bless each other, to step out into prophetic giftings, to um, be an encouragement, to seek faith and uh, and healing and miracles and prophecy. And so I just release that over the body in the name of Jesus. And so if you maybe want to just, if there's a gift that you would like to ask God to for that in your life, if you need a touch and a move of the Spirit to ask for that this, this morning. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, may we receive from you. I pray that people here hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit would receive that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, if you could pick up your children, because I'm looking at the time, we did promise we'd be finished by 12. But if you would like to receive an impartation of the Spirit this morning, please come up to the front now and we'd love to pray with you about that too. Thank you.